Greetings, everyone. Welcome to Sabbath Services. I've got a whole stack of questions, and I think we will spend almost all service on it. So let me announce right now, next Sabbath is going to be the most important, because we're going to go over something that has been in plain sight but we have never followed through on the full explanation of it. And when we do, then that helps answer a lot of difficult things that are in the New Testament. Okay? So we'll save that for next week. So if you have other friends who tune in, you give them a call and tell them be sure and be on next week. Okay, here's a question. Will it be possible for mothers in a church to be able to care for and feed babies that they had lost, miscarried, or died at a young age? The answer is undoubtedly. And don't you think that would be the best and most nourishing milk that they could possibly have? Now, let me stop and just interject something here. The reason that there are so many sicknesses and cancers and overweight children is because of baby formula. Because it is so high in protein and it's too much for the baby to handle and it's... Why would a mother who produces in her own body and her own breast the ideal milk for her baby that God made, which carries with it all the immunity that the mother has. Right? Okay. And likewise, I'll mention again, when every baby is born, it's covered with a white wax. Now, why? Well, the answer is, you hold your hand in a pan of hot water for a half hour, and you take it out, and it looks like a prune, right? You ever done that? Okay. Well, that's so that being in the water in the womb, that the skin will be protected. Plus, when the baby is born, it gives protection from viruses that are in the air, which the baby has never been exposed to. So it should never be cleaned off. Let it be slowly absorbed through the skin into the body of the baby to build its immune system. Don't you think it's important to to build up the immune system of the baby newborn in this world where all the germs and everything are floating around like crazy? Okay, yes. See? And it has everything that the baby needs. And furthermore, it's in the right position that God created for the baby to nurse in the arm of its mother. Okay? 
So that would save a lot of trouble with childhood disease. And by the way, soybean is so high in estrogen that that very well may be a cause of baby cancer. See? So know this. Anytime you go against God or his laws, physical or spiritual, you got trouble. Okay? And that trouble is called sin. And there's spiritual sin and there's physical sin. And a lot of the physical sin comes because people do not take care of themselves. And they're wondering why today they have so much diabetes. Well, think of all the Cokes. Think of all the soft drinks. Think of all the processed food. Okay? Now, when those who are diabetic get on a good diet, guess what happens? They lose weight. And some of them can come to the point that if they really practice what they need to, they can come off the insulin altogether. See? Now, Psalm 104 and verse 13 says that God gave herbs for the service of man. So anything you can do for your body where there are herbs or food, whether that be concentrated or not, those are helpful for the body. And when you get sick, what is your body doing? It's expelling toxins. And you need to take the things that you need to get rid of those toxins. All right? Let's go to the next question here. To refresh your memory, my question is now, does likeness stand for character? Likeness can stand for character as likeness in behavior or likeness in image, either one. Does image stand for character? No, that means what you look like, okay? The exact image, but the word for exact image in Hebrews, the first chapter, verse 1, referring to Christ, in the exact image of the Father, the Greek there is character, So it can mean character in the very image of his behavior, in the very image of what he looks like, okay? When did the church decide it is now okay to vote? Well, the thing that came out in an article in Worldwide was, would Jesus vote for President so-and-so? No, He wouldn't because he's of the Father, okay? We have to live here, correct? Now, I'll tell you how I vote. There's nothing wrong with voting, but you have to do it this way. Vote for the one that will lower your taxes, okay? 
that would be good, and one that has some decent moral values. Obviously, you aren't going to have anyone running for office who's converted. However, remember this. In the book of Daniel, who ran the province of Babylon under the king? Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were the government in Babylon under the king. Okay. And the plan of God was so important that he revealed to Daniel that image beginning with the head of gold who was Nebuchadnezzar. And he was so important that he wrote an epistle that's in the book of Daniel. Did you know that? Okay. All right, let's go back to the book of Daniel and look at that. That's interesting indeed. Okay. Book of Daniel. Okay. I've covered this on other occasions, but now let's do it again. Let's see how important, because we need to understand, brethren, and we're going to learn next week, how important every single word is in the Bible. Now, all these modern translations have a good number of errors in them. Someone wanted me to work up something, uh, all the errors in the King James Version. Well, there are so many that, that didn't do it. Okay, But in the original, and with the Spirit of God, you can understand the Word of God. And we are going to learn next week how important every word of God is. So look at this. Wonder how many people read this and don't realize that Nebuchadnezzar, a Gentile king, the king of Babylon, the head of gold, wrote chapter 4. Okay? Verse 1. Nebuchadnezzar the king to all people. Now think about that for a minute. The head of gold is the start. Where does it end up? All the way down through the silver, through the brass, through the iron, and through the iron and clay, and through the toes. Right? All people? Nations? and languages that dwell in all the earth. Now, those are encompassing words, so this is meant for everyone who is a leader. Okay? And that is the lesson every leader needs to know, whether it's religious, whether it's political, whether it is in a family, regardless of what it is. Do not get lifted up in vanity, and think you're better than God. Or think that whatever you did was because of who you are. 
And that's what Nebuchadnezzar did. He got up on the balcony and he looked out over Babylon and he said, oh, this Babylon that I have built. Bang. Seven years of eating grass. Then when he came out of it, he said, verse 34, At the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted up my eyes to heaven, and my understanding returned to me. What was the first thing he did? Huh? What does a trial cause you to do? Turn to God, right? That it? Why? Because you realize how helpless you are. How helpless was Nebuchadnezzar when he was out there eating grass with the cows? Okay. I wonder how he liked the bitter dandelion milk. (laughs) Okay. What did he do? I blessed the Most High. That's the one who in the New Testament is called the Father. And I praised and honored him who lived forever for his dominion. See, because God rules over all. Not just the earth, not just the solar system, but all the heavens. Think of that. Okay. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom is from generation to generation and all the inhabitants of the earth are counted as nothing. Now, that's quite a statement. Did he learn a lesson or not? Who knows how far that goes? And the host of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. And none can stay his hand or say to him, What are you doing? Think about that. Huh? And how many people come along and have an idea, especially ministers, look at Protestantism, look at Catholicism, look even in the churches of God. They come along with an idea that they think is so good, but it's not. See? No. You can't get away from it, okay? You don't ask God what you're doing. Verse 36, And at that time my reason returned to me, and the glory of my kingdom and my majesty and splendor returned to me, and my advisors and my lords sought me out. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Oh, we're here. We're so glad you're here. Well, <laughs> you can imagine all the sycophants coming. <laughs> okay. And surpassing greatness was added to me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt and honor the king of heaven for all his works are truth and his ways, justice, and those who walk in pride he is able to abase. Now what do you suppose is going to happen to the beast power. Huh? Where does he go? He goes into a temple of God and says, I'm God. That's worse 
than what Nebuchadnezzar did. So you think what's going to happen to him, all right? Let's see. Okay. I noticed you left worldwide in 1993. No, it was 1979. Okay. We started biblical, but the men that followed, they hated Herbert more than they loved God. And they made it so unbearable that we had to leave. But he says, why is it that they hate Herbert W. Armstrong? No, he made a lot of mistakes. I don't hate him. On my resignation message, I said, I love him. I loved him. And as a matter of fact, he ordained me. Okay. Last day of unleavened bread, April 1965, okay? But I despise all of the egregious errors and spendthrift of money and politics and corruption that went on in Worldwide Church of God, okay? So I hope that helps answer that. So he asked the question, at that time, Herbert Armstrong was trying to get the church back on track. Well, he was trying, but all of the political ones were, were covering up what they were doing. See, But what was happening, they were sending all the leading ministers in Pasadena at that time to Azusa College. Now, you know what Azusa College is? Still is to this day? It is a college for training Protestant ministers. Huh. Okay. And all of them were the cadre which got together with the Koch to bring on Sunday keeping. See? So I couldn't go back to them. There is no way. See? And sometimes God's judgment takes quite a while to come, but it came. One of the things I remember that God inspired me to say in my resignation sermon in 1979 was that unless there's someone in the pulpit in Pasadena, and that was on the Day of Atonement, 1979, telling everyone, amend your ways, that the forces will be turned loose which will tear the church asunder. Okay. Did that happen? Yes. Why? Because there was no change. It was impossible for Herbert Armstrong to get the church back on track. Okay. Besides, all of the, those who were the subversive became the ones who were in power. Okay? And all of the ministers who knew all of the sins that were going on lied to all the brethren that everything was okay. All right, let's go on. Another question. Small group of people want to know, just ahead as America and the Israelite nations become inert and marginalized, 
and the beast power comes with flattery, do you believe all Catholic nations in Europe will receive his blessing? Yeah, they'll have the blessing of the Pope. They'll have the blessing of him. Now, let's look at some things in prophecy that we need to understand. Okay. Number one, Assyria are the Germans. Now, you can go online to Greg White. He's in Australia, and he produced a really good book on why the Germans are the Assyrians. Now, that's Germany, Germany, German-speaking Czechoslovakia, and Austria. Okay, Those are the Assyrians. Guess who live all close to that? France, Netherlands, Belgium, Denmark, Luxembourg, Norway, Sweden, Finland, right? Those are all remnants of the ten tribes of Israel. So the Assyrian is going to have control over them in that area. But what about America? America has what? All 12 tribes in America. Where did they come from? All the nations I just mentioned. Right? If they are descendants of the 10 tribes of Israel, then their descendants that came over to America, which was the promised land, Okay. And also, the only country in the world, except Britain for quite a while, that really produced the Bibles and proclaimed the gospel, though not correctly, to the world. Okay. So, what's going to happen to America in the end time? Okay. Well, we look at Revelation 13. The beast has what? Seven what? Heads. Ten what? Horns. What is his dominion? Over every tribe and nation and language. Okay. Why? Because they give their power to the beast. All right. Now, in America, we are all being punished according to the curses in Deuteronomy 28 and Leviticus 26. Everything. Now then, do you suppose that China will be one of the seven heads? Undoubtedly. So when America does finally fall, who has the most interest in America that they need to come and protect and keep? China. So question, I'll ring the bell. Will we be, as a nation, enslaved within our geographical territory run by the Chinese? Yes, indeed. 
Who do you think supplies the money for reverse mortgages? Front companies for Chinese money. Who is going to own the house? The Chinese. They're buying property everywhere they can. Businesses everywhere they can. They have paid off how many of the politicians that are in Washington, D.C., beginning with the President of the United States. So, that very well may happen. So, all the rest of the ten tribes will be under the Assyrian, according to the prophecy there. But, America is probably going to be under one of the seven heads of the beast of Revelation 13, and that's probably going to be China. How much money does Germany have invested here? Virtually nothing. Huh? What other nation has the investments and controls our stock market, our currency, our businesses? No other nation. Only China. So I ring my cowbell again and... Let's watch that and let's think on that, okay? Next question. How do I overcome or bring every thought under Christ? Well, we have a, a book entitled How to Overcome the Sin Within, and we'll send it to you, and we'll put that one up online, okay? Here's another one. Bible question. In the Black Horse of Revelation, it says a penny for wheat in the King James. According to faithful version, it says silver coin. Please explain. Okay. The explanation is this. The Greek is it's a denario. Okay. And a denario was a silver coin. And silver coin can go through all nations' financial things because all nations have some kind of coinage. And much of it has to do with silver. Now, in America, they've taken all the silver out of the dimes and the quarters and the half dollars. There are still some silver dollars you can buy. But right now, a silver dollar with a premium is pretty close to $30 a coin. Okay. So if you have some of those, hold on. Because when times really get tough, you can go to the grocery manager and you can bargain. Okay? Because he also wants something of value. Word to the wise. Next question. The sixth commandment states, you shall not murder. Okay? Does God allow for self-defense killing? That's in an area that it is not strictly defined. But we know this. He who lives by the sword will what? Die by the sword. Okay? Now, I don't know of anyone in the church yet who has been attacked because probably the guardian angels have been about your house or whatever. Okay? Now, there was the only case I heard of was this. There was a woman who's in a church, came home, and found someone robbing her. 
He ran out the door, and she ran after him, and he killed her. She should have just said, thank you, Lord, he's gone. See? But she didn't. So sorry about that. Okay. Ninth commandment, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Okay. Rahab lied. How did she make it into the faith chapter of Hebrews 11 under the pretense of breaking a commandment? What supersedes anything? An oath. She promised not to reveal where they were. So she said, go out and get on the roof. Now, with her in the room, did she know where on the roof they were? Exactly. Were they two apartments down? Were they up near the top of the roof? Did they get under the, under the roof if it was a sat thatched roof? Where were they? She could honestly say, they're not here. That is in this room. And she could honestly say, as a diversion, which is not lying, why don't you try the gate going out and see if you can catch them? Okay? So, that is technically not a lie. On the surface, it looks like a lie. Okay? Here's one here. Okay, the question is, you say that Moses personally saw God and talked to him face to face. So, let's go back to Exodus 33. Let's see what it says. Now, one of the rules of Bible study is this. Read the verses before and the verses after. Exodus 33. Okay, and we will see it here. Now, we know that Jesus, the one who was the Lord God of the Old Testament, told Moses when he said, I want to see your face, and he said, no man can see my face and live. That is in the glorified form. But here, Exodus 33, verse 9. And it came to pass as Moses went up, went into the tent, the cloudy pillar descended and stood over the door of the tent, and the the Lord spoke to Moses. And when the people saw the cloudy pillar stand at the door, and all the people rose up and worshipped each man at his tent door. And the Lord would speak to Moses How? Face to face. Now, how could he do that? How does that not contradict what it says, you can't see my face and live? Okay. Because God can appear as a human being. That's what Jesus said in Luke 24. We covered it recently. When he appeared to the disciples, he said, a spirit, that is a demon apparition, 
does not have flesh and bone like me. So do angels, can they appear as human beings? Yes, it says. Treat strangers well, for many have treated angels unknowingly. Okay. So when God was talking with Adam and Eve, he was in the flesh and bone appearance of what he could manifest himself. So the answer is this. God can manifest himself in many different ways. How did he appear to Moses at the burning bush? There was a flame, but God was invisible right behind the flame, but God was there, and so God told Moses what? Take off your sandals, for the ground you are standing on is holy ground. So all he saw was the flame. But God was standing there invisible and spoke to him. Okay? So this is something that that people haven't understood. So then it says down here, you come down a little bit further. Moses said this, verse 15, And he said to him, that is Moses to God, if your present does not go with me, do not carry us up from here. For how shall it be known that I and your people have found grace in your sight? Is it not in that you go with us, so we shall be separated? I and your people from all the people that are upon the face of the earth. And the Lord said to Moses, I will do this thing. Also, that you have spoken, for you have found grace in my sight, and I know you by name. And he said, I beseech you, show me your glory. And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you, and I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will have mercy upon whom I'll have mercy. And he said, you cannot see my face that is in glory, for no man can see me and live. So I said, all right, there's a rock up here where you get in where there's that big crack in the rock, and I'll stand by, and my glory will pass by you. You'll see my backside, okay? So we need to understand God can appear in many forms, okay? All right. Here are a number of questions. See how much time we have. Okay, let's go ahead and uh, I was given the signal. Go ahead and stop. I only have one minute left, so I got... um, Half a dozen questions we'll cover to start, and I think you'll find it all very interesting. So we'll be back in 20. Welcome back to Sabbath Services. Now, I want to announce again, next week, be sure and tell all of your friends and other churches of God 
to listen to the live streaming. Okay? Because we are going to cover something very important that is a key to helping to understand what appear to be difficult scriptures. Okay? Now, I also want to show you this. This was sent by the printing company about what the vinyl cover would look like stamped with gold. Now, this is not our Bible, but it's a Bible that they have produced subsequently. I would like a little thicker vinyl, and I want them to send me a sample with the end sheet. So if you take your Bible and just open up the cover and look at it, you will see there's a big heavy end sheet that is glued to the inside of the cover and then is a separate sheet on the inside. And so we have very a strong paper there if you will look at it in your in the Bible that you have. Okay? So this looks pretty good. We, they still haven't found the paper necessary to do it, but we are all out of lambskin Bibles and the paperbacks. We have little over a thousand of those left. And of the calfskin, we have about 4,000. Now, the reason to buy them at this time is, who knows what the price will be if there's massive inflation that runs. Just like with, we recently purchased two new copiers. Each of the old copiers had over 3 million impressions on them. So we got a good price for both of them. But if the dollar begins to collapse and inflation takes off like it normally does, then instead of paying 30000 we would be paying 40000 or 45000 for the same thing. So we just got those and, and got those in, installed because we, we produce a lot of things and print a lot of things here. All right. Now let's continue on with questions. We need to we need to wrap this up. Okay. There are a number of questions here. Number one, does the Bible say it's okay to eat out at a restaurant on the Holy Sabbath? Well, that question always comes up, especially when they are there is traveling involved. Okay. Now if you have a long way to go, it is permissible to eat out. But if you don't have a long way to go, you don't need to eat out. Now here with us here, we don't eat out on the Sabbath. We eat here on the Sabbath. We have quite a bit of food that various ones bring in, and we have a nice little chow down here. So that works very good. But a lot of people go to services, and then go out to eat. Well, did you travel a long distance? Probably not. Well, then you shouldn't be eating out at a restaurant. Number two, 
If a person is divorced and remarriage, who's committing adultery? Well, that's why every divorce and remarriage problem needs to be thoroughly investigated and thoroughly understand the problems. And it's not that you just, a minister will sit down and have a short counseling service and you make a decision binding or not binding. You need to find out when they were married, why they were married, the circumstances of the marriage, the circumstances within the marriage after they were married, okay? What was, you have to find out what were their sexual activities before marriage, because that has a great deal to do with marriage. And then you have to find out, was there fraud? Did the person lie? Did they come on pretext? See? If you marry to get something for yourself rather than marry the person for who they are, you're lying. When the vows are, do you, and you say, I do, see, that's a lie. So everyone has to be handled separately. All right. Should Christians celebrate uh, slash observe birthdays? Well, we have an article online about birthdays originated with the pagans, and it was to the goddess Athena. Now, in the Hebrew calculated calendar, since the days vary there will be in the leap years where there's an extra month, everyone who's born in the 13th month cannot have a birthday every year. Okay? But when you read in the Bible about Jesus and his age in Luke the third chapter, it says he was about 30. Why? Because he was probably born on the Feast of Trumpets, and the Feast of Trumpets would come at different times according to how the calculated Hebrew calendar worked, whether it was a leap year with 13 months or whether it was a common year with 354, 55, or 56 days. See, all of those variants show that you cannot have a definite birthday. But, is it all right to acknowledge how old you are? Yes. Is it all right to acknowledge for children how old they are? Yes. Okay. But to have big celebrating parties with cakes and candles and things like this, that comes from paganism. We covered voting. Next one. Should a Christian woman have short hair haircut like a man. Well, no, she shouldn't. And as a matter of fact, there was a wife of a minister who recently left the church that all the time she was in the church, she had short hair like a man. And the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 11 
that long hair is given to a woman as her covering. See? And that it's a shame for a man to have long hair. Okay? So, for a woman to have short hair like a man, and especially where the elder could not control his own wife to get her to stop having short hair. Now, you read in the faithful version, the first part of chapter 11 of 1 Corinthians, and you will find the whole discussion there. All right? In the Bible is retirement that is not working an option according to the fourth commandment and John 5, 17. Well, John 5, 17 says, I work and my father works. Now, that's spiritual work. You look at the solar system and the universe. Does God stop it on the Sabbath day? The Jews foolishly think that if you flip a switch on the Sabbath, you're causing a fire somewhere. Well, God is causing the sun, which is a giant fire, wouldn't you agree, to go all the time. Okay. So, in that sense of retirement for human beings, when you get old, Keep in as good as health as you can so you can do as much as you can. Okay? But there are times when you're, when you're older and you do not have the energy, you do not have the ability because of age. Okay? So you wouldn't be working perhaps at a job, but what would you be doing? Well, a lot of people that retire... They putt around in the yard and putt around in the house and have a hobby or something like that. That's true. That's perfectly all right. But to be retired doesn't mean that you go and just sit in a chair 18 hours a day before you go to bed. Okay. (laughs) Okay. And besides, you can't compare John 5 the spiritual work of Jesus on the Sabbath, and the spiritual work that God is doing every day of the week, including the Sabbath. Okay. If a Christian has chosen to have have a pension plan profit and or retirement plan or to purchase stocks, which is or has been Investing in companies which work, that is, conducting business employees on the Sabbath and only days. If you invest in a company, you can't control what they are going to do. You are there as an investment. Okay? Now then, should you invest in an arms company that makes bombs and torpedoes and uh, artillery shells and tanks and guns? Probably not. I would say not. Okay. So 
You have to be steward of your own money. You have to sit down and ask the question, is this a company that I should invest in? What are they doing? How are they doing it? You have no control over whether they keep the Sabbath or not. And God calls all of that that you do with that unrighteous mammon. In other words, it is perfectly fine to make investments to increase what you're doing. That's what Matthew 25 and Luke 19 are all about. The talents and the pounds are forms of money given to the steward. Now, the steward is the one who takes the money from the owner and invests it for the owner's benefit. So whatever profit there is goes back to the owner, and the owner pays the steward for managing his money. Okay? So we have that today with, with some uh, stock investments and so forth. You need to be careful of that, like we have the, what is that, XTF we have today? That thing that just collapsed, the, some idiot running it before he, he quit. He donated money everywhere he could get rid of the money. And it was illegal for him to do it, but he did it. And they arrested him, brought him back here, and two people put up the money for his bond, which was way high, but no one can find out who posted the bail. See? This world is crooked. This world is filled with lies and deceit. So if you make money, you also can lose money. So you have to decide how you're going to do it. If the same question is investing money in health companies, stocks and bonds that make vaccines and so forth, well, they're killing a lot of people. See? Now remember this. So you have to draw the line. You have to look. Let's come to Matthew 4. You have to look and find out what is the company, who owns it, what is being done, what are their policies. Okay, Some of them you will find are very good. Now, verse 8, this was the temptation of Jesus. Okay, And after that, the devil took him to an exceeding high mountain, and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. That is, in a moment of time. Kind of like a huge video screen. Okay? And he said to him, All these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. See? Now, You come to Luke 4, we find a little bit more added to that. Who controls the monetary system? Well, I don't know any church member sitting on the the board of the Federal Reserve, do you? Now, it's not wrong to take money. And make an increase, because that's what Matthew 25 and Luke 13 are all about. See? 
but not with massive interest. Okay? Here in Luke 4, let's pick it up in verse 5. Then the devil led him up into a high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, I will give you all this authority, the glory of them all, for it has been delivered to me, and I give it to whomever I desire. Therefore, if you will worship me in my presence, all things shall be yours. Okay? Now we find out the super rich of the world got rich by Satan. You ever heard of the World Economic Forum? That's going on right now. By all of these billionaires and billion billionaires who want to rule and control the world. Who does that come from? Where does their wealth come from? How much of that is funneled through various banks to transfer money from drugs and child trafficking and illegal activity? Don't know. So if you have any money you're going to invest, you better understand what you are doing. Okay? Same way with health care company. We should be trusting God for our healing, and we should be taking care of ourselves by not putting a lot of these substances into our bodies. Question here, I don't remember you ever explaining John 2.19. So let's go there. Let's go back to verse 13. Now the Passover of the Jews was near, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem, and he found in the temple those who were selling oxen and sheep and doves and money exchangers sitting there. And after making a scourge of cords, he drove them all out of the temple, both the sheep and the oxen, and poured out the coins of the money exchangers and overturned their tables. Now, you can just imagine what that was like. He came in and took the tables and went, and all of their coins of money are rolling everywhere. Who's is whose? Where is mine? Who are you? Why are you coming in and doing this thing? I mean, that was quite a dramatic entrance into the temple, right? Okay. And those who were selling doves, he said, take these things out of here. See? All of that was to be done outside the court of the temple, not in it. Do not make my father's house a house of merchandise. Then the disciples remembered that it is written, the zeal of your house has eaten me up. As a result, the Jews answered and said to him, What sign do you show to us, seeing that you do these things? Now, Jesus typically did not answer their question. The way that they would think. Because he answers the question, concerning the house of God, 
which should be a house of prayer for all people, he did not answer the question why he overturned the tables and got rid of the money exchangers and drove them all out. He said this. He prophesied what was going to happen, and they were the ones who were going to do it. But they didn't understand because this was at the beginning of his ministry. Okay. Jesus answered and said to them, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. Now that was a mystery to them. How are you going to do that? See? Then the Jews said, the temple was 46 years in building and you will raise it up in three days? Because he answered the question spiritually, what was going to happen to him? Okay. Verse 21, but he spoke concerning the temple of his body. Therefore, when he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this to them, and they believed the scriptures and the word that Jesus had spoken. Okay. So, Here's another lesson to learn. When you first have the question, you may not get the answer for quite a while. Okay. Only Jesus understood what he was saying. The disciples didn't. Obviously, the Jews and priests didn't. So, when you have a question like this, you need to read on to find the answer. So the answer is, he was talking about the temple of his body rather than the physical temple that he was standing in. Okay. Here's another question. Is the implication that Jesus, in the spirit, raised his mortal body back to life? All right. Well, not necessarily. Let's come to John, the 10th chapter. Let's see what Jesus said. Okay. And we will find out the Father raised Jesus from the dead. He didn't raise himself from the dead. Okay. What was the last word he spoke when he was on the cross? Remember that? Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. Okay. So his spirit went back to God the Father. Okay. Now what does it say in the last verse in James the second chapter? Without the spirit, the body is dead. Okay. So there was no power in that body that Jesus retained to raise himself from the dead. See? Here's what he said about that. Verse 14, John 10. I am the good shepherd and know those who are mine and have known of those who are mine. 
Just as the Father knows me, I also know the Father. I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring those also, and they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. On account of this, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may receive it back again. So God the Father had to give him life back again that he had given up when he died. Okay. All right. Let's see this. Let's come to Romans, the eighth chapter. And likewise for us. We are raised by the power of God the Father. See, if Jesus would have had any power in him when he was dead to raise himself, he would not have been dead. Right? That's why he committed his spirit to God the Father. All right, let's, let's look in uh, Romans 8. Let's pick it up in verse 4. In order that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who walk according to the flesh mind the things of the flesh, but those who walk according to the Spirit mind the things of the Spirit. Now that's called conversion. Has your thinking changed since you've been converted? Are you still being converted? Yes. Does your mind need to be renewed all the time with the Spirit of God? Yes. Doesn't the Apostle Paul say that our physical body is dying day by day, but our spirit is being renewed day by day? Second Corinthians, the fourth chapter. Yes. See, that's why we have the Sabbath. We need to be renewed. We need to be refreshed. We need to study the Word of God. We need to come in the presence of God because God is here with us in his spirit. This is the day he has appointed. Okay. Verse 9. However, you are not in the flesh but in the spirit if the spirit of God is indeed dwelling within you. But if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. But if, Christ be within you, the body is indeed dead because of sin. However, the spirit is life because of righteousness. Now, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is dwelling within you, okay, who raised him from the dead? The Father. Okay. The spirit of him who raised him from the dead. Nowhere does it say that Jesus raised himself. He who raised uh, Christ from the dead will also quicken your mortal bodies because of his spirit that dwells within you. Okay? Now then. Let's look at another one. Let's come to First Peter, the first chapter. Let's pick it up here in verse 20. Okay, 
Verse 20, who truly was foreknown before the foundation of the world. Now, you go back before the foundation of the world and you go back to before the ages of time and all of those things are there relating to what God has done and is doing. Okay? But was manifested in these last times for your sake, even for you who through him do believe in God who raised him from the dead, that is, God the Father, he was raised from the dead, and gave him glory. What did Jesus pray, John 17? That what God would give him back the glory he had with him, when? Before the world existed. Okay? So that your faith and your hope might be in God, okay, having purified your lives by obedience to the truth unto unfeigned brotherly love through the Spirit, love one another, other fervently with a pure heart. Okay? So God is going to raise us from the dead. There are plenty of other scriptures there in the Bible, so go ahead and do a study. Okay? Here's a question. Are there any scriptures that speak of the specific qualifications of an apostle? No, there is not. And that question centers around who were the original apostles. Every single one was taught directly by Jesus, called directly by him when he was living in the flesh. They saw him, they heard him, he taught them. Okay. Now then, Paul also saw Jesus in vision. And Barnabas, he probably saw Jesus when he was in Jerusalem because Barnabas originally came from Cyprus, a Levite. So that means he came to Jerusalem quite often. Other than that, we find no other apostle. We do not find that Paul, before he died, told Timothy, make sure you get here because I'm going to ordain you as an apostle. Okay. Nor was it with Titus. Okay. Now then. Herbert Armstrong originally rejected being called an apostle. But when he found out that that elevated him and gave him far more importance, he accepted it. But he was never an apostle. He never saw Jesus personally. He was never taught personally by Jesus. His claim was because his wife happened to be talking to a woman who was a member of Church of God's Seventh Day, and they kept the Sabbath, and she convinced, let's see, that was Loma, Loma, that was Herbert Armstrong's wife, of the Sabbath, 
and she prodded Herbert Armstrong that she's going to keep the Sabbath, and he was going to prove her wrong. So at that time, there wasn't very much employment in America because of the Depression, so he went and spent every day for six months in the library in Portland, and there were a lot of books in there written by those who were ministers of the Church of God Seventh-day. One of them was G.G. Rupert, and all of the doctrines that he found that he embraced were the doctrines that were developed by the Church of God Seventh-day. And he attended the Church of God Seventh-day in Eugene, Oregon. And I know I talked to Otis Cole, whose father went to that church that Herbert Armstrong went to, and it was a Church of God Seventh-day. Okay, But they wouldn't accept the holy days. So that's how the Church of God began with Herbert Armstrong, later called Radio Church of God, and after that called Worldwide Church of God. Okay? So no one today should be called an apostle. Okay? There are evangelists, there are pastors, and there are teachers. Okay? Now, I didn't have a chance to look this up. Okay, the question is, let's see how important the transfiguration was. We know that Peter was a Jew. We know that John was a Jew. Paul was a Jew. And the only one who may not have been a Jew was Luke. He wrote under the tutelage and direction of the Apostle Paul. This is from the book, Who is Jesus? Number seven, page number 73. Okay. Now, most of the apostles came from the area of Galilee. All of Galilee and Judea were known to be Jewish countries. But to be a Jew meant that you followed the traditions of the Jews. So, Jesus was of the house of Judah, the line of David, and you read the genealogy beginning in Matthew, the first chapter, it says, Jesus, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Okay, So the promise of Jesus goes clear back to Abraham. All right. So everyone who lived in Judea and Galilee were called Jews. But Paul was a Benjamite. He said he was from the tribe of Benjamin. Okay. John may have been from the house of Aaron. And they had their occupation as fishermen because the priests were not always at the temple all the time. They were there by course. You can read in the book of Second uh, Chronicles, everything all laid out. Okay, So he's a fisherman. We don't know the others. 
Possibly Judas Iscariot was of the priestly line. We don't know. But they were probably from the other tribes of Israel because there were a few from the ten tribes that were always mixed in with the Jews. Now that happened because when the Assyrians attacked the northern ten tribes, a lot of them fled down to the area of Judea when Hezekiah was king. So there were some of the ten tribes there, but predominantly those from Judah. So I don't know what the question is. I'll have to get the book and look at it and see what it is, okay? Now then, here's another question. It has to do with David numbering Israel. It says in 2 Samuel 24 that God incited David to number Israel, saying, go number Israel and Judah. When you come to the book of Chronicles, it says Satan stirred him up to number. And Joab, his chief general, and I feel sorry for poor old Joab, he knew every stinking rotten thing that went on in the kingship, right? Okay. So he told David, you don't need to do it. So the only thing I can figure out is that David wanted, 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 wanted to do it, and it was kind of like Balaam. Balaam wanted to come and curse the children of Israel, but God said, don't go. But he kept saying, I want to go. Balaam wants me to go, and he's going to pay me all this money. Okay, you go, but you'll only speak what I, what I tell you to speak. Okay? And as a second witness against him, his own donkey stopped. He got off his donkey, and the donkey spoke to him in a verse, in a human's voice, what are you beating on me for? <laughs> okay. So we have this situation with David. David wanted to do it. And this turned out to be sin. He numbered them. And what happened? He never got them all numbered because of what God did in destroying 70,000 of the Israelites. Now, how God chose the 70,000, I do not know. But they were probably those who were idolaters and those who were not following God. Okay? But there's another lesson learned. Whenever a politician or a king or a leader does something terribly wrong, everybody pays the price, one way or the other. That's what we have today, okay? Here's another one. And then where is our citizenship? It's in heaven above, and Christ is going to bring it. Here's another one concerning the 144,000. Uh, we will send you the book that we have on it, booklet rather. There are 244,000. So you have to see where that is explained, and we will have that downloaded and sent to you.
So that brings us up to date. We have all the questions answered. And so next Sabbath, be sure and be here and tell as many of your friends to be sure and listen, because this is going to be an eye-opening thing. And it's going to center on where Jesus told Peter, and what you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and what you you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. But that is a false translation. That's how the King James reads it. But what does the Pope say? I can bind anything. And if you've ever read the Fox's uh, Book of Martyrs, and I've got two big volumes on that, I just might bring them next week, that the popes muse on their power. I can raise up kings and emperors. I can take them down. And everybody must obey what I say, because what I bind is bound in heaven. And what I loosed, is loosed in heaven. Is that what it means? And the next question is, what is the correct translation? It's in the faithful version, correctly translated. But how does that apply to the rest of the Bible? You're going to be amazed. So we'll say, So long, everyone, till next Sabbath.